Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you doing today? Good. All right. Uh, glad to hear it. Uh, we're really glad you're here, especially if this is your very first time. Um, uh, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the church of Rocky Peak, and inside your program is a white message note sheet. And so every time, uh, kind of every every week, but this time in the service, we go into our time of teaching, and that will uh, help you follow along. And so definitely, if you're you're new, you want to uh, take that out. And uh, I'm excited about what we're going to be teaching today. Just uh, we're having some great time there, services as we uh, kind of give you an update where we are as a church and, and can take the next step in this journey together, this journey of generosity. So uh, if you're ready to go, I'm going to pray. Y'all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing as a church. You, you are waking us up. You're calling us on. It's, a, it's an awakening that's happening. Uh, it's been happening, but even this month, God, we just sense a new, new uh, level of your spirit, a new level of calling, a new level of awakening, and we're excited about what you're doing. And God, today is obviously a very important step in, that, in this journey that we're taking. And so I just pray for great freedom as I teach, uh, just, just a lot of freedom to share what you've, you've put uh, my heart to share. I pray that as a church, we would gather around as you as our teacher and that we would listen to what your spirit would say to us and that we would come out changed. We'd be different, that we would be ready to kind of take the next step in this journey. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts today. It's the last week of Jesus' life. And, and so he's, he's traveled into town and on that Sunday, he's ridden into town on a donkey to the, to the reception of really like a rock star. I mean, the city is going crazy. They are so excited that he's in town. They, they've rushed out to meet him outside of town. And, and now all week, all week long, he's teaching. He's going to the temple. It's kind of his normal routine is he'd sleep out on the hillside the night before with his men. Then he'd come, come in. He'd start teaching. He'd teach all day at the temple. And so uh, it's, it's a crazy week because the opposition is building. The, the religious leaders of uh, the nation have, have pretty much had it, uh, had it up to here with him, and they want to take him out. They're just figuring out a legitimate way to do this. And so all week long, they're confronting him. They're, 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 they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to undercut his credibility. By the end of the week, they, they will actually arrest him on false charges, take him into custody, and as you know, at the end of the week, he'll be crucified. But this, this is still early in the week, and, and so he's been teaching at the temple. My guess is that the scene we're about to talk about takes place in the afternoon because he would start very early in the morning teaching. And as the story opens up, he's sitting at the temple. You've got a picture of this. It's this massive complex. It's one of the, the wonders of the ancient world. Huge stone, beautiful complex, uh, many football fields in, in length. Uh, and it's extremely elaborate and expensive. Many parts of it are gold-covered. And so, so he and his men are sitting there, and they're, uh, they're kind of watching across the way. And across the way is where they have these offering boxes. And in those days, they, they didn't so much pass a plate. They, they would have offering boxes where you could drop your offering in. And they didn't have offering envelopes. And so, so you could actually sit there across the way. And if your life was kind of slow that day, you could just kind of, kind of watch how much people are dropping in. And so that's, that's what they're doing. Jesus and men are sitting there and they're just kind of watching people go by, dropping their offerings in. And so, of course, you can imagine, I'm sure there, there's rich, there's poor, there's in between. And people are coming, they're dropping in different amounts of money. You can see how this thing is, is, is happening. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, this one lady comes up and, and she's about to make her offering. And, and Jesus calls time out. And, and he says it's a teachable moment. And it's a moment that they will never forget uh, the rest of their lives. Well, today we're, we're continuing this series that we've been in now for the last couple of weeks. And for those of you who are brand new, uh, not only want to welcome you, but I also want to just kind of quickly bring you up to speed. The series is called The Journey of Generosity. And about three weeks ago, I shared with our church that suddenly, unexpectedly, that we were facing a major financial crisis as a church. And I've talked about that the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to take the time to go into it now. But if you're new and want to know more, just go on our website, listen to the message, the first one in this series. It'll bring you up to speed. But uh, from the beginning, from the very beginning, as I've shared every week, I mean, we've just sensed God's in this, that this crisis is, is something he's allowed us to go into because there's something he wants us to learn. There's something he, he wants to teach us as a church. He wants to take us to a whole new level as a church and kind of, kind of uh, set us free in some new ways and, and kind of prepare us to release this movement of passionate Christ followers that is the vision he's given us here. 
And so, uh, as I've shared before, is that for the last couple of years, at least a year or two, that I've wanted to teach on this whole topic of generosity. Because one of the things I've known is that if we're going to move into our future, if we're going to unleash this movement, that this is an area we're going to need to grow as a church in this culture, unleashing what I call a culture of generosity. Uh, kind of uh, 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 generous giving, not only to, to, to God, to this church, or whatever, but to the, the community, the poor, and so on. And so I've really wanted to teach on this, but just haven't felt released to do that. And so uh, about two days into this crisis, though, uh, I was walking downstairs on a Wednesday morning from kind of upstairs bedroom, downstairs kitchen. On the way down, all of a sudden it happened. The download began. Uh, the, the series began to get downloaded. And, and I'm just so excited that we can, we can talk about it together. Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know the key passage in this series is 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where the Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about a special offering that he's going to be taking the next year from their church to help support the poor Christians in Jerusalem over 1,000 miles away. And so if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we've laid out some very foundational principles in this series so far about generosity. But if you uh, have been on vacation one week or you haven't caught it, or even if you've been here both weeks, I want to do a quick review, just maybe take three or four minutes and kind of bring us up to speed where we are today. So as we go on today, we've got this as a backdrop. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called the Journey of Generosity, a quick review. And what I want to do is just kind of quickly go through six lessons that we've learned so far in this series that are foundational, right? So you can just, you can either write them down or you just kind of listen along. There's no no fill in the blanks. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Number one, the first thing that we've learned is that this area of generosity, like if we're going to grow in this area of our life, like every other area of our life with Jesus, that that it has to be a supernatural work of God. That if we're going to grow, it's because the, the Holy Spirit is coming alongside to lead us to guide us, to change us, to create us. So, so our job as Christ followers is not to create our own heart of generosity. Our, our job is simply to follow the leading of the Spirit in his life. And as we follow the leading, then he will create this, this heart. Okay, you with me on that? So it's a supernatural journey. Uh, number two, the second thing we've learned is we've learned why generosity is so important. And what we've learned is this is really the heart of who Jesus is. The Apostle Paul, in this teaching to the Corinthians about their generosity, he says he uses Jesus as the ultimate example. And he says he was the one that though he was rich, remember he lived in the greatest gated community in the universe, though he was rich, he became poor that through his poverty you might become rich. And so Jesus is on mission. Jesus is on mission to rescue this world. And when we become a follower of Jesus, we go on mission with him. And and so he wants to create the same heart of generosity in us that he had. And so if we're serious about becoming a follower of Jesus, this is a, a critical area for us to grow. The third lesson we learn is this whole area of generosity is not a side issue of the Christian life. It goes to the core of who we are. And what we've learned is that sooner or later, as we follow Jesus, he will bring us to this issue. That sooner or later, we have to decide in the words of Jesus whether money is our God or whether God is our God. Remember what he said, that no one can serve two masters. And so sooner or later, we have to cross this divide where we decide, will we trust God with everything we are and everything we have? And what we've learned is that when we say yes, which is a hard decision to make, but once we say yes, our relationship with God goes to a whole new level because no longer are we worshiping money, we're worshiping Jesus. And, and so, and when that happens, we move to a whole new level of freedom in our relationship with God, who we were created to be. The fourth lesson that we learn is that this, when it comes to giving, that giving is always what I call a two-step process. That giving should never be done out of, uh, uh, out of uh, guilt or manipulation, which is often how it works. You know, that, that it should not be done that way. That, that giving, true giving in the New Testament sense, is that Paul says, first we give ourselves to God. So all that we are, all that we have, God is yours. And so that's the part Jesus was talking about. And then secondly, we give ourselves as he leads us to whatever projects he calls us to give. Okay? And so that's two-step giving. Uh, then last week, we learned the fifth lesson. 
And what we've seen is that throughout history, God has worked in, to, to weave generosity into the heart of his people. It's such an important character quality. And so last week we looked at these, we call them the three strands of generosity, where Jesus, uh, God has kind of woven into the heart of his people from the beginning of time three types of giving. We talked about percentage giving, which is kind of the regular uh, systematic giving to support the movement of God in the Old Testament or the movement of Jesus in the New Testament. We talked about the giving of the poor, how God loves the poor and wants to create that in our lives, and the giving to special projects uh, that advance God's kingdom. And so he said, if we're Christ's followers, we can expect that in all three areas, as we grow, God will, will, will expand these areas, okay? And then number, the last lesson we learned was the, the, uh, the lesson about promise, that God's promise all through the Bible is that if we will listen to him in this area, if we will trust him, if we'll follow the lead of his spirit, if we will give generously as he leads us, that he will bless us financially, he'll protect us. And so we wanna stop short of like a health, wealth, prosperity gospel, we talked about that, that's not what we're talking about, and yet there's this consistent promise that God will provide, he'll take care and bless so that we can continue to grow in greater and greater generosity, okay? So that's where we've been so far in this series, and, and I just wanna lay that foundation again as we move forward. Now, today we move to a new section, and today the Apostle Paul is going to get very practical with us and talk about, about how, we grow, uh, how do we grow in this area of generosity. And he's going to give us three important steps or three important principles. And, and so to get at this, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And we're only going to go through four verses, but we're going to get three principles out of it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1. Now, about the collection for God's people. And so let's, let's set the stage. Remember, we've been talking every week about this special offering Paul's collecting from the Corinthian Christians for the Christians in Jerusalem. And this is the first time he writes to them about it in 1 Corinthians 16. And he says, okay, so I want to talk to you about that collection. I'm going to give you some instructions about how to go about giving. And so he says, here we go. He says, uh, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So in other words, this offering that he's taking for the Christians in Jerusalem, he's not taking it just from the church of Corinth. He's taking it from all his Gentile churches he started. And so what he wants them to know is that what I'm about to tell you, this is not just for you, this is what I'm telling all the churches of Jesus, okay? So he's giving them some principles that apply across the board. And the first example he gives is the Galatian churches, which is, of course, the, the churches that we're studying in our other series, if we ever get back there. All right. So, um, so here we go. So here come the practical advice. He says, on the very first day of the week. Now, what day of the week is the first day? Sunday, good. Nine o'clock took a while. Uh, so on the first day of the week, uh, on Sunday, of course, that's the day where the early church celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. That's the day they would meet. Bef before Jesus came, uh, the people of God, the Jewish people, would celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday. But after Jesus came, he was the start of a whole new era in the human race. And so they celebrated on the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection. So he says, uh, on, the very, on, the, on the first day of every week, <laughs> I want every, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, so it's going to be proportionate giving, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. So here's what he says. You know, next year, I'm going to be coming to your area. I'm going to be collecting this offering. So what I'd ask is that you'd start saving now. You'd systematically, every week, you'd put aside some money based on how much money you made, and you'd put that aside, and so that when I get there, we don't have to have to do like a big fundraising drive, we don't have to put a thermometer on the wall, you know, we have nothing like that, that, that we just, you, the money will be ready, and you can just kind of give it to me, and we'll, we'll be ready to go. And he says, verse three, um, then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. So he says, so here's what's going to happen. You're going to put the, the money aside. When I get there next year, I'm going to ask you to pick out some representatives of your church that are trustworthy people, and, and we're going to send that gift with them to the churches of Jerusalem a thousand miles away. And he says, now what, I know that you don't know them, you've never been there, and so I will write a letter of an introduction to go with this gift, explaining who you are, why you're giving, and so on. So you pick some. Now, the reason Paul's saying this is that whenever Paul talks about money, 
he's always really big that it's so important that we handle finances with a top level of integrity. There's no question about it. And so what he doesn't want to have happen, he's, he doesn't say, yeah, I'll come and pick up this huge wad of money and then just trust me, I'll deliver it. What he says is, I want you to pick some representatives from your church that you trust. We'll, we'll give a letter of introduction. They will take the money, so there's no question that I'm skimming off the top or that I'm, I'm using this money in any appropriate way, which is obviously a great principle for any church or organization. You're going to handle money in a way that's kind of accountable, that's highly, uh, have high integrity. And so then he says in verse 4, if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So Paul says, at this point, I don't know if I'll go with them or not. If it seems like the right thing to do as I pray about it, it seems about, then I'll go with them. But if not, they'll go by themselves. Okay, and so we just have four short verses, but three kind of powerful principles, some very practical principles about, about generosity and how it grows in our life. So there in your note sheet, you have a sexual section that's called generosity, Growing in Generosity, three practical principles. We're going to run through these pretty quickly. The first one I'll hit very quickly. The second two slow down on a little bit. Here we go. Number one, the first kind of obvious principle that jumps out is that Paul says that generosity should be systematic. He says, uh, on the first day of every week, you should put aside money according to your income, all right? So what Paul is saying is, is, is in this giving, it shouldn't be haphazard. You shouldn't just kind of give kind of when you feel like it. You shouldn't just give because you got the recent direct mail plea uh, coming in your mailbox. Or you shouldn't just give, hey, when the church is doing well or the church is doing not well or whatever. The, the giving should just be a regular part of your life. It should be part of your lifestyle. It should be systematic, okay? So every, he says, first day of, of every week, set aside this sum of money. Now, of course, we saw this model last week. Last week, we talked about these three kind of strands of generosity that God has woven into the life of his people over time. And one of them, the first one, the kind of basic one, was what we call percentage giving, where, where God would uh, ask Israel to give a tithe, the 10% of all their income throughout the year to the Lord. And so, so this was something that throughout the year, in a very systematic way, that when the crops would come in, when the, 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 uh, the grapes would ripen on the vine, when the herds and the flocks would mature that throughout the year they would at appropriate times they would give this tithe okay and so it was very systematic and so Paul picks up on that principle and he says in your lives as Christ was this, this giving should be systematic okay and so that's where we begin that the giving shouldn't be haphazard it shouldn't just be when we're in the mood it should be a line item in our in our budget it should be a regular part of our lifestyle right there, there's number one okay so number two, I think that's pretty straightforward. We won't spend more time there. Number two, the second principle, though, uh, is, is incredibly important, especially for us in the midst of this crisis that we're facing, to, to kind of uh, spell this out. And it goes like this, is that generosity, Paul says, is for everyone. Um, in other words, that, that uh, as Christ followers, the generosity is not just for some, like, hey, this person's wealthy, therefore they should be give, a giver, they should be generous. This person's poor, that they shouldn't be. That, that we'll see, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, that our giving's based on our ability, kind of based on what we have. There's, there's a proportionality to it. But that, that as Christ followers, giving is for everyone, okay? And so this is what he says next. Look at 16.2. He says, uh, on the first day of every week, so it's very systematic, he says, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, okay? So he says, everyone in your church. Now, this is particularly important because one thing we know about the church of Corinth is that it has several people and many people in it who are very poor. And we know that because what Paul says earlier in this letter, and yet when it comes to this offering he's taking, he says everyone needs to be involved with this. What you give, the amount you give, will really vary based on what you have to give. Okay? But everyone needs to be involved. And so this is the second principle, that generosity is for everyone. Now this is important because I think sometimes we're tempted in our life to think, you know what, I would love to be grow in generosity, but this is just really not a good time in my life. 
So uh, it can go everything from, hey, I, I, I'm a college student, so I don't, I'm not making a lot, to, hey, well, we just had kids, and, and you know how much those diapers are, to, uh, to be, you know, our kids now, they're going into high school, and man, the cost of clothing is just really shooting through the roof. To, well, now my kids are going to college, and you know, wow, we've got to save for that. To, well, now my kids are gone, and, and, and so I'm saving for retirement. To, well, now I'm on a fixed income. I'm retired. And so throughout our life, we, we can find, a, it's like, it's never really the right time, right? And so, so the point is, is that Paul says, no, no, that if you're going to grow in generosity as a Christ follower, then it's, it's for everyone, that, that we all have to participate, we all have to give. Now, real key, catch this, it will really vary based on how much you have, okay? And we're going to talk about that a lot in a minute. So, so it's, it's not the amount, but that we all need to participate, we all need to be givers. Now, this leads to a very important kind of principle within the principle, right? This, we're staying at number two. But here's the principle that I think is really important for us to catch, especially in the midst of this crisis we're facing as a church, is that God measures giving differently than we measure giving, okay? That God measures giving, uh, well, let's put it this way. We measure giving by the size of the gift. God measures giving by how much the gift cost us to give. So, so we measure how, how much we give, God measures how much it costs us to give. Are, are you following this? Uh, let, let me give you a, a great illustration. We started the day with the, the story of Jesus and, and he's at the temple with his men. And, and so they're watching there and, and they're watching the different people come and drop in their offering and so like I said, I mean, there's different kinds of people. Some people are rich and they're dropping in a lot of money and you can see this. Other people are dropping in very little or in, the, in between and all of a sudden this one lady comes up. We don't know her name. We don't know her story. We don't know how old she was. We do know she was a widow. So she'd lost her husband. She's very poor. She may have been a young widow. Uh, some of you in here, you're, you've been young widows. Others, you are older widows and so we don't know young or old but we know because she's a widow, she's very poor. And so Jesus and his men, you got to picture this, they're sitting there across the way, they're watching all these people drop in large sums of money, all of a sudden this woman comes along and she drops in a very small amount. She drops in, we're told, two small copper coins. It'd be much like our pennies, like who even bothers to pick them up anymore, right? So drops them, you, you kind of drops in these coins and Jesus goes crazy. He, he's like, time out, guys gather around. And we got, we got something, I need to teach you a lesson. And he says, did you just see that? And they're like, what? He said, did you just see that woman, how much she gave? Like, yeah. And he's like, she just put in more than everybody else. And I'm sure that they're like, what? Like, she just put in two cents. Like, that is not going to go very far, you know? And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. In heaven, we measure giving differently. See, here on earth, you measure the gift by the size of the gift. In heaven, we measure the gift by the size of the heart. You see? And so, and so she actually, here's what he says, she gave more than all the rest because she gave out of her poverty everything she had to live on. They gave out of their wealth. Now, and you, now you, are you following this? So what Jesus says is that God measures our giving by the, not by the size of the gift, but by the size of how much it costs us to make the gift. Now, that is such a powerful principle in this whole area of generosity because sometimes we think, well, I can't give a lot and it wouldn't really make that much difference. And see, so we're missing the whole point. The God says, no, if you're gonna grow in generosity, you have to start where you are and I measure it differently. As long as you're faithful to give what I'm asking you to give, then heaven is rejoicing. You say, we're having a party because you're growing in your generosity. Let me give an example. At the very start of this, uh, this series, it's actually the week before this, it was the week if you were here about three weeks ago, I shared with you the crisis we're, 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 we're facing. We started the series the next week. And so in, in that particular day, we had a woman come to our church. She's a fairly new Christ follower, kind of come to Christ about the last year. Or just, 
and, and God just kind of met her here and changed her life. And she's had a very tough year. About a year and a half ago, she lost her job. And so she's been out of work for about a year and a half. She's been, you know, obviously struggling financially. And yet as God has come into her life and met her, she has just wanted to give back. She's wanted to give. And so every week as she comes to church, she writes a check for $5. Okay? And she knows that $5 is not a lot, but she doesn't have anything. And so this is what she feels like God's put in her heart. So she gives that $5 every week. So that particular week, she comes to church. And, uh, and that week she bounced a check. And she thought she had enough in her, in her checking account to cover. It was a major bill. She thought she had enough to cover. Uh, she didn't, and so the check was bad. So she knew she had nothing in her bank. She normally writes a check. And so she wants to give, so she opens up her wallet, and all she has left is $1 left in her wallet. And so she's struggling with that. I mean, it's her last dollar that she has. But on top of that, she's struggling with embarrassment. Because how do, you, how do you write your name on the little envelope? I'm giving a dollar, you see? And so she's struggling, but, but God is all over. He's just, he's putting in her heart, you need to give, you need to do this. And so she's having this wrestling match with God. I don't know if you've ever had one of those. But, but anyway, she's having this wrestling match with God. And, and so finally she comes to the place where she feels like she just needs to do this. And, and so she, she puts it in, puts her name on. She, she's embarrassed to even put it in the offering plate. So when the offering plate comes, she's covering it with her hand so no one can see, make sure no one sees. But the moment she gives, she emails me. And she says, Mike, you know how I've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit this year in very profound ways. She said, the moment that I gave, I just sensed the power of God coming on my life. I sensed the presence of God flowing in. She said, I sensed it physically in my body. I sensed his presence pouring in. And of course she did, you see? Because God measures a gift not by how much we give, but by how much it costs us to give. Are you with me in this? You got this. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, in this key passage that we're teaching on, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he spells this out for us. And there in your note sheet, you have this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 12, where he says, if the willingness is there, and of course the context is finances, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Okay? So God measures him. So, so three implications for us as a church. Number one is that, that generosity is for everyone. We don't wait until we have everything taken care of in our life to give. It's, we start where we are as the Spirit leads us. Okay? Number two, that God measures differently. And this is particularly important for us right now as we're in this crisis because I've talked to many of you and, and there's so many of you who say, man, I love what God's doing at this church. I love what he's doing in my life. God's met me here. He's changed my life. I'm growing. I, I so much want to be a part of what he's doing here and help meet this need. But Mike, I'm just killing me because I, I'm out of work. I've been out of work. I just lost my house. I'm on disability or whatever. And often with tears, they're telling me a story. And I want to give, but I don't have the ability to give. I just have so little. And I want to give more. But I, I, and, and they feel so badly. And so, so what do we learn from this? That there is no need to feel bad. That, that Jesus rejoices when those two coins go in, you see? That when that dollar went in the plate from, from this lady, they, that heaven rejoices. So I, I want you to drive this home. As we talk about money in this series, as we talk about generosity, as we talk about giving, as we talk later about where we're in the church, don't forget what I'm telling you. That God does not ask of you what you don't have, Right? What he asks is your heart. What he asks is willingness. He asks that you give everything you have to him, and he asks that you give as he leads. But beyond that, he does not measure the gift by the size of the gift, but by the cost of the gift. And let me say this, too, that for those of us who have been blessed, this works the other way, too, doesn't it? That there are many of us who have been blessed that we could make a gift that for someone else would be extremely generous. But for us, it's really not that hard because we have a lot of assets, and so it's important for us that, remember what Jesus said, to those whose much is given, much is required. And so it works both ways, that, that we need to go before him and say, God, what's the number that you have for, for me? When it, when any, in any kind of giving, right? All right, let's move on. The third, the third principle is that giving is proportionate. 
that Paul says that we give not all the same amount, that not all, this is not like a club where there's like a member's dues. And we come and like, here's the dues for the year, and we all pay the same dues. That, that generosity is based on our, our ability to, to give. And so there in verse two, it says, on the first day of every week, okay, so it's systematic, each one of you, so it's all of us, we should set aside a sum of money Catch this, in keeping with his income, okay? So that, that our giving is gonna vary. We don't all give the same. It's in keeping with our income. It's not gonna be the same our whole life. There's gonna be times in our life where God is blessing, we're gonna give more. There's times we go through hard times, we're gonna give less. That our giving is gonna be proportionate to what we have. So, last week we saw this. We saw this in the, in the types of giving that we're given, especially in what we call percentage giving. Remember? We talked about this, the nation of Israel, that they were all required to give 10%, their percentage giving, to the Lord. And it was a regular systematic thing. But when you stop and think about it, when God asks 10%, it's according to your income, isn't it? It's proportionate. Like, you give 10%, I give 10%, but we make different amounts. So yours may be more, yours may be less, but we're both given 10%, but the amount is gonna be proportionate. And over the course of your life, as you make more or whatever, you'll give more. At times, you give less. That's the whole idea behind a type proportionate giving. So Paul picks up on that idea, and he says, in the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we don't all give the same. We give proportionately according to our income. So now, it raises the question in for us, well, how much should we get? Like, you know, how, how much should we get? And, and one of the questions that comes up, and we talked about this last week, and I promised you I'd come back to, is I want to talk honestly about this concept of percentage giving, kind of regular giving to fund the movement of Jesus in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, the temple, and so on. Um, and and uh, what we saw last week is that God required the nation of Israel to give a tithe, the 10%. And so last week I told you that this week we'd come back and we would discuss that honestly, like for us as Christ followers, does, does that apply? So here's the question. For us as Christ followers, if we're gonna be a church of passionate Christ followers, the question is, according to the Bible, are we called and required to give 10% of our income to the Lord like Israel was in the Old Testament was the law? Does that law still apply to us today? Okay, that, that's the question. Now, different Christians will answer that question different ways. There will be some believers, as they study the scripture, the answer will be yes. And what they will say is that, yes, as Christ followers, this, we should be giving that 10%, and here's the reason why. And they will be quick to point out that in the Old Testament, as we learned last week, this concept of a tithe predated the law. It, it was hundreds of years before the time of Moses and the law. God gave this concept to Abraham, and they will also point out that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, it was one of the few things, maybe the only thing, that Jesus ever commended the spiritual leaders of his day for. They tithe, and Jesus says it's a good thing. And so, so there's, there's one set of Christians say, yes, as Christ followers, we should all tithe. It's, it's kind of a, well, it's a requirement for us, okay? And, and I get that. There's a good argument to be made there. There are other Christians who will say, no, that as Christ followers, we're not required to give the 10% in a, in a legalistic sort of way because, because, first of all, they'll point out that in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's only one place where the tithe is even mentioned, and it's in that place where Jesus just talked about it. And, and they'll point out that as Christ followers, we're not under the Old Testament law, and so, and so we need to be uh, following the lead of the Spirit in our life, and so we should give generously, but we should follow his lead. So are you with me on this? Kind of two different opinions on this. Now, if I were forced to take uh, sides in this, uh, which I sort of am today, uh, if I were for, I would actually lean towards the second side. Uh, I would say, as Christ's followers, that, that I think we're not under the Old Testament law. We've been learning that in Galatians. And, and so there's not any kind of strict rule for all believers, 10%, okay? And so that, that what we need to do is we give all ourselves to Christ, all we have, and we give as he leads us. That would be my argument. However, before you get too excited, <laughs> let me give you the fine print. And here's my fine print. My hunch would be 
that in your life and my life, that at most times for most believers, that if we're truly giving ourselves to Christ, surrender in this area, and if we're following the lead of the Spirit, that probably for most of us at most times, he will call us to give more than 10%. Now, now let, me, let me explain why. Uh, um, one of the things we know from the teaching of Jesus is that when Jesus came, he called his followers not to a lower standard, but to a higher standard, right? So like, think with me, like in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in the Old Testament, it was written that you shall not kill your neighbor. He says, but, but I tell you, as my follower, I, I want to teach you how to actually love your, your neighbor and not just not kill them, but, but actually not be angry with them, not hate them, okay? He says in the Old Testament, uh, I, I, I was, uh, it, it said uh, you should not commit adultery, which is a good thing. But he said, as my follower, I want to teach you and change you so you don't even look at a woman with lust. You see? So, so Jesus doesn't lower the standard. He raises the standard, and he calls us through the power of his spirit to be transformed, to be truly like him. And so here's my hunch. My hunch is that in this area of generosity, that Jesus is not going to call, now, now that Jesus has come, he's died for us, he's given us his life, we, we've experienced the love of God, we've received the Holy Spirit, that, that we understand God's love and his grace. My hunch is God's not going to ask us to be less generous than Israel, you see? And, and so, but here, here's the way it works out though. I think that each of us, come back to one of our core principles, that we have to figure this out for our own life. See, the key question is, what is Jesus asking you to do? That's the only question. The, the question is not, should we tithe? The question is, Jesus, what do you want me to do? See, that's the new covenant question. Now, uh, my hunch is that for different ones of us, he'll answer that question differently. Let, let me tell you, my own life, uh, we're young married, we're young 20s, we, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're very poor, we're not in ministry at the time. And, and we asked that question, Lynn and I asked that question, as we prayed, Jesus said, I want you to start with 10% and I want you to build from there. That was the answer he gave to us. And, and, and so I know that for many of us, and I've talked to many of this in this room, that that's exactly what God told you, that at a certain point in your life, in your walk with Jesus, he called you to step out and to begin tithing. And, and at the time, you weren't even sure like how you could afford that. But it was very clear to you, God was calling and you obeyed and as you obeyed, he blessed and he supernaturally provided and your faith in him grew and your relationship with Jesus grew and it cemented that and you moved into a whole new level of freedom in your life and God began to use you in new ways. And, and so for, for many of you, as you go before the Lord, that's exactly what he may say to you. Yes, you need to start there, step of faith. For others of you, it may be different. That as you pray, God may give you a number. He may say, I want you to start with 2%. I want you to start with 4%. You're at six, I want you to go to eight. He may say, I want you to go to 100 a week. I, I don't know what he'll tell you. Here, here's what I know, is that I know that as a church, that if we follow Jesus, and we give him our hearts, and we say all that we have, and all we belong is for you and your kingdom and your movement, and we belong to you, and we will do as you lead us, and then we follow what he tells us, we will have everything we need to do to pull off what he wants. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, so you work it out. It's between you and Jesus. So you're not going to have to answer to me at the end of time. You're going to have to answer to him, right? And so you work it out with him. I, I could think of, of one lady in our church going through this a few years ago, a fairly uh, relatively new believer. And, and so she felt God was beginning to call her to give, and she hadn't really done that. And so she, she does an offering to God, and, and she's just feeling really uncomfortable. She prays about that. She's feeling uncomfortable. Like, that wasn't very much. And she was making a good salary, and she began to pray God led her to give five times as much as that original offering. And when she, you know, she was kind of bargaining with God, when she got to the five, five times mark, it was like, that's good, that's your number, you see? And, and so that's exactly how it'll work. You seek God, you give your life to God, and then, and then give as he leads you, all right? Uh, there's a great quote there on your note sheet from Erwin uh, McManus, and Erwin's he, uh, he's a pastor in LA area, uh, over at a church called Mosaic, and he's also a great writer. And he, he has this funny story in his book, Unstoppable Force. And he, it goes like this. He says, I was sitting on the hearth of the fireplace with an individual who was considering becoming a part of Mosaic. That's his church. 
He says, he turned to me and asked me if Mosaic was a law church or a grace church. It was pretty obvious to me that he was setting a trap. So I thought I'd go ahead and jump in. I said, well, of course, we're a grace church. Oh, I thought so. I was concerned that you were one of those law churches that told people they had to tithe. Oh, no, no, no. We're a grace church. The law says, do not murder. And, of course, he's quoting Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Grace says you don't even have to have hatred in your heart. You can, you can love your enemy. The law says do not commit adultery, but grace says you don't have to have lust in your heart for another woman. The law says give 10%, but grace always takes us beyond law. You can give 20, 30, 40%. We would never stop you by living by grace. So he looked at me and said, oh, a profoundly theological response. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Hey, can I tell you something here? You know, for some of you here, God wants to do an amazing work in your life. And, and you, you may have tithed for years. You may have been, and God's coming to you, and God's going to say, you know what? Uh, that's Old Testament. That's old school. Uh, I, I want to I make you like my son. And I want to create a passion for giving like he had. And so... So your new number is over the next year, we're, we're gonna, your, your new goal is we're going to get you to 20%, right? Maybe that, 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 maybe that extra percentage, maybe it's not going to come to your church. Maybe it's going to go to the poor. Maybe it's going to go to outside ministries. Maybe it's going to go to water wells in Rwanda. You know, maybe it's going go to go to, to orphans around the world. Maybe, you see what I'm saying? Is that, that there's many of us here that God's going to take us to whole new levels of giving that we've never thought because we've always thought in terms of, hey, 10% is the cap. It's like, no, 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 no. You know, my hunch is, is that for, for most of us in this room, over the course of our life, 10, 10% will be a starting point. It, it'll call us to greater generosity than that. And, and that's what I'm talking about, a culture of generosity. Like where we, we, we live to impact the world. We live to impact lives, all right? Okay, now, so there's the three principles from today that Paul spells out. Giving should be, it should be uh, uh, systematic, right? It should be a regular part of our life. Uh, number two, giving should be, it's, it's for everyone. We start where we are. And number three, giving's proportionate. But we have one, one last section we need to cover today, and it really has to do with where we are as a church right now, much more practical. And so I'd like you to turn it over, turn over your note sheet, and go to this backside called Freedom, the Challenge. One of the things I told you about th- uh, two or three weeks ago when we started this series is that what I was going to do over the next three weeks is I was going to give you some basic teaching of the Bible about generosity, how God weaves that into our life, how that works. And then at the end of this time, that I was going to bring then to you the, the kind of the current need we have as a church. And so you'd have everything you know. You know the need, you know the teaching, and so that you could go before God in your own life, and you could do in your own life what Paul asked them to do, what the Macedonian Christians do. You go before the Lord, you give yourself the Lord, then you ask him, what do you want me to do? And so I want to give you an update and, um, uh, on this. Uh, here's where we're at the church. I think most of you kind of know that the basic scenario, but just for a quick snapshot. You know, it was about uh, three, three or four weeks ago that we found out that, that from our bank, this bank that we've had great relationship over the years, over 10 years, had a credit line with them over seven years for a half million dollars, that, that suddenly without any kind of warning, they, they'd pulled that from us. And of course, up to this point in the year, we hadn't used it at all, but our plan was starting in August to begin to draw on that to pay some of our operational costs until you get to December and year-end giving comes and you cover that and you, you end the year uh, kind of you know, equal for the year. And, and so what happened was when they pulled that, it created a crisis for us because now suddenly we're going into August, we don't have all the money we need to pay, to pay all our bills. And so, um, so anyway, uh, when that hit, we began to pray, like, God, God, what are you up to? And there's kind of two things that I think that uh, kind of our plan to address this. And so I want to spell this out. One of the things we've done is we've stood back and we've said, okay, so what's it going to take to meet the current crisis? And we've kind of done some projections uh, from kind of now to the end of the year. Like, well, how much money would we have, have used from this credit line? You know, if, like, what's our best projections? And our best projections, at least at the start of this crisis, it's altered a little bit over this month, but, but at the start of this crisis is that we would need to draw down probably about three hundred dollars to $350,000. Now, can I say this as honestly? This is not the best way to run a church. 
That, that, that really, this is sort of like a, 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 a family kind of using their credit card part of the year until they get their big paycheck at the beginning of the, end of the year. Like a much better way to run a church is to build up a savings account, kind of like Joseph did in the land of Egypt, that during the good times you put away extra money, and so that during the bad times you can, that's how we should be doing it. And so, uh, so I believe that one of the reasons God's allowed this to come is because we need to address that. And so what we really need to do as we prayed about it as elders and pastors, as we prayed about it, we feel like what we need to do is basically raise our own line of credit to substitute for that, that external line. Of, we need, in other words, we need to, to create our own savings account. 300, 350 sounds like cutting it a little close if that's where the need is. So probably what we need to do is raise about $500,000, kind of half million dollars to serve as our own savings account. We draw down on that and then we pay it back, right? Just like Joseph did. So that's kind of the first thing we need to do as a church. The second thing we need to do, and this is the part I'm probably most excited about. This is a current crisis. We need to meet this crisis, yeah. But, but one thing I believe is that for us to move into our future, for us to unleash a movement of, of passionate Christ followers, that one of the things I believe for years we're going to need to grow at some point in this whole area of generosity, a kind of regular, systematic, percentage-type giving. And, and so when this whole crisis hit, one of the things I was most excited about was my sense was God's bringing us into this time for this reason, that, that this was a time for us as a church to decide, are we serious about following Jesus in our life? Are we serious about all that we have and all that we are? And if so, are we willing to give generously as he leads so that he can fund the movement of our future? Okay, so we've got two things going on. We've got this large current crisis need that we need to raise, yeah, the 500,000, but I think for many of us that this is a time God's gonna ask us to grow in our regular, consistent, ongoing giving. And here, here's what I know, that as a church, there are many of us here, many of you here, that are very generous givers in this whole kind of percentage-type giving. That, that God has taught you that a long time ago. He's blessed you with that. And that's one of the commitments and the, the growth things he's worked into your life. But I also know that there are many of us here, for whatever reason, maybe we're new Christ followers and we've never really learned this. Uh, maybe that for most of our life we've been church goers and not really Christ followers. And so we're beginning to come alive spiritually and God wants to talk to us about this. But, but my sense is I look at the financial records of our church and, and I don't, at this point I don't know who gives what, but I know how many people give and, and how much is being given. I, I think as you look at that, it becomes pretty clear that in our church you have a small percentage of people who are carrying the movement, you see? And so my sense is for us to go to the next level and to unleash the movement for our future, that this is a time God's taking us aside as a church and saying, okay, are you serious? Are you with me? Will you surrender? Will you follow? And that as we do that, that it's gonna, it's gonna pave the way for our future, both spiritually and financially. Are you with me in this? That, that spiritually, we cannot unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers unless we are passionate Christ followers, right? And you can't be a passionate Christ follower if you've not surrendered your money to God because Jesus taught us you can't serve God in money. It's one of the biggest gods of our culture, right? And so unless we're willing to sacrifice that idol to Jesus, and begin to, we can't unleash a movement. And so it starts spiritually with our hearts. But then as we surrender and we follow his leading, then it releases the funds. See, see here's the thing. God's already given us the funds we need to release the movement here. The bad thing is they're still in your wallets. <laughs> and, and so as, as we come before him, as we come before him, and, and as we surrender and we give as he leads, that's the key, that, that he will be able to fund the movement that he wants to release here, okay? So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, just to help you visualize this. I'm gonna tell you what the plan is. Inside your program is, uh, you've got a couple cards there. Um, they're probably blue and green cards. One's like a triangle. We'll look at that second. There's another smaller card called the Freedom Gift. Now just to let you know, we're not taking any commitments today. Uh, uh, I'm just going to explain what I want you to pray about, all right? So just, this is going to give me a, a tool to give you some clarity on what I ask you to pray about, and then I'm going to send you home to pray. So here we go. So let's look at the smaller card. Look, the one says Freedom Gift. Go to that side. This card represents those two kinds of giving, 
The first kind of giving is this kind of large one-time gift we're asking you to make to, to, uh, to meet this financial crisis that we're facing, the 500000 That's the freedom gift side, okay? And so on that side, what you'd be saying, if you, you, I'm going to ask you to go home and pray and ask God, does he want you to give to this? And if so, how much does he want you to give? And there on, the, on this side, it says the above and beyond gift. Now catch that. It's above and beyond, okay? So this is not your regular giving. It's not accelerating your regular giving, like saying, well, in December, I was going to make a big gift. I'll make it now. That helps us now. It doesn't help us in December. So this is above and beyond what you would normally give. And, and so in that top line, it says your total gift amount. And you, as you pray about it, you put the number in there. The number might be $250. It might be $5,000. It might be $10,000. Whatever the number is, you put the number in there. Then down below, it's how you're going to give that number. For some of you, you're going to say, here's my number, and I've got that money in the bank, and so I can give it right away. If you can give it right away, uh, sooner is better. And so next week, we'll have a special offering. I'll talk about that later, but you could bring it next week. That's great. And so you would just write on the top line, July 31st, August 1st, that's next weekend. So if you say, they the total amount's 1000 and I, next week, give 1000 okay? But you may say, for some of you, you may say, well, the number God's giving me is X, and I've got half of that in the bank. I can give you that right now. But the other, I'm going to sell some stock. I'm going to sell some, I'm going to garage sale. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to save up for a couple months, whatever, okay? And so... If that's the case, you just tell us how much you're going to, when that money's going to come in, you know, when you're going to give it, all right? So that's that side, okay? That's the freedom gift side, the, the $500,000 crisis fund side, okay? Now, turn it over. The other side is growing in generosity. And this is why I'm asking you to go before God and to pray and to ask him, does he want you to increase your normal, regular, long-term, systematic giving, kind of the, that percentage giving? And on here, what you'd write down is just your percentage or, or the, the amount uh, that you're, of the increase. So, for example, let's say that you're giving $100 a month or say $100 a week right now. And, and you feel like God wants you to give $150 a week. What would be the increase? Yeah, 50 Very good. Very good. Uh, let's get just to check. Uh, and so what you would do is you'd write the increase. You'd write 50. You don't write 150 a week because that's not the increase. You're just going to write the, the increase, okay? I'm going to increase by 50, and, you're, and you chart a week. Some of you might say, well, I, I'm giving out currently 1,000 a month, and I want to give 1,200 a month, and so it's an increase of 200. You put 200 and a month, okay? That's the two sides. Now, let's look at the other card. This uh, triangle card, this is just to give you kind of a visual picture um, of how this sort of thing can work. Um, we don't know how God's going to work. We don't know how God's going to lead you. But often when you're raising large amounts of money, it's helpful to see that typically what happens in a church like this is that some of them have been greatly blessed and can give a lot, and God will call you to give a lot. Some have, have been uh, in the middle, some uh, less, and we just need to give what we, we, we've said, you know, what God calls us. Now, don't forget here, this is the part, I harped on this earlier. What's important here is not the amount. What's important is that you're obedient. Okay? And so, so this will show you how to work. And so there'll be some of us here that God will ask to give a lot. It might be the 50,000, the 25,000, the 15,000. Some will be more in the middle. Some will be at the lower. The important thing is I'm asking you to pray and to ask God to lead you, and you'd give as he leads. Okay? That's the important thing. Now, here's how it's going to work. Um, what's going to happen is, is next week, uh, we're going to gather together as a church at our weekend services. There'll be normal weekend services. We're going to do worship. I'll do teaching. It'll be the fourth message in the series, regular message. But towards the end of the message, we will have a special time of commitment where we come before God and we say, God, we are the church of Rocky Peak. We have come before you. We have prayed. We have given ourselves to you. We have heard the number. We are responding and we're bringing you back our commitments and we're bringing you our offering. And we're going to have a special time of communion next week where we will go and we will thank God for what he's done, his incredible gift to us in Christ. And, then, and during that time, you'll have the opportunity to drop off your, uh, your, your commitments, your commitment cards, and you'll have the opportunity to make your freedom gift, that crisis fund. Now, later in the service, we'll take our regular offering. So we want to keep those things separate, but you'll have that, that opportunity, all right? So here's what I'm asking you to do. That you'd go home, 
You pray, you seek God, you ask him, you do what he asks you to do. And then we will come as a church, the church at Rocky Peak, and we will say, God, we present ourselves to you, that we belong to you. We exist for you. All that we have, all that we own is yours and is your people. We have gone before you. We have asked, we have heard, we have surrendered, and we give with joyful hearts for the sake of your name and the sake of your kingdom, and we make our offering. Amen? Amen. Okay, now, um, as you, as we, uh, before we're done, one of the things I've, I keep telling you every week, and I've, I believe from the beginning, I believe this is sort of a turning point in our church. I, I believe this is a destiny moment. I, I believe that as we respond, God is going to do amazing things, and that God is going to be on the move. And, and I just want to share with you some of the stories that have already happened. Um, this is one time I wish you could sit in my seat. Most of the time I don't, but... Uh, but, but just as some of these stories are coming in, uh, it is amazing what God is doing. Uh, you know, I shared with you earlier the story of this woman who gave her last dollar. Just an inspiring story. Let me share just a couple other stories. Uh, about three months ago, a woman in our church, uh, a woman came to our church for the first time. She was not a follower of Jesus. She was going through a very difficult time in her life. She's going through a divorce. She had lost her job. She had an eviction notice from her apartment. Uh, she was separated from her children. Um, it was going through a very painful time, and she came, and God met her in a powerful way, and she became a passionate Christ follower overnight. And, and God began to move, and every week, I get about a four-page email from her, single space, um, telling me, Here's what Jesus is changing in my life this week. And it is just so exciting. And so she emailed me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, can I meet with you and give you an update? And so I said, okay. And so she came in to meet, and she, she downloads for about a half an hour. This Here's the next amazing stuff God's doing. And so at the end of the time, she says, hey, um, I also, I wasn't in church this week, and I podcast a message, but I'd like, to, um, to, I, I, I'd like to give you my check for the weekend. And seriously, I'm, th I'm sitting there thinking, a check, like what can this woman give? She, just two weeks ago, she was about to get evicted from her, for her apartment. Like what can she give? And already I'm getting kind of choked up. I'm already, I'm getting like, I, I don't believe this. It's like, the, like this is the widow. You know, this is, this is, you know, this is the five. And I'm expecting the check's gonna be $5 or $25 because, because what else does she have? You know, it's like this, and, and whatever it is, I'm just moved by it because she's giving so much for her. And so she gives me a check and it's a check for eight thousand dollars yeah that's kind of my response and I'm like oh, I don't get it you know like what what and she says well you know how I'm going through this divorce and of course her husband doesn't even understand this whole change in her and and she's just kind of anyway he doesn't even understand but they're going through this divorce, and so their house went up on the market, and usually it takes a long time for that to go through, but in less than 30 days, it not only sold, but it cleared escrow, and they got the check. And, and so she was given a check that week for $80,000, which was her part. Now, she stills without a job. She's now living with a friend who's taken her in. She doesn't have custody of her children, and she will probably have to go through a custody battle, and she's going to have attorney's fees, and yet she is so moved by what Jesus has done in her life. The first thing she wants to do is to come and give me a check. You see? And he, you see, that's why when God's on the move, he moves hearts. Um, another lady in our, our body, brand new believer, less than a year, she went through a bankruptcy a year ago. As a result of that, they take $500 out of her check uh, every time she gets paid. And she, she told me, she emailed me that a couple weeks in this crisis. She said, I've been praying about this. And so what I do is I don't have much money, but I, I put $100 a month into my emergency fund. And, and so it's for like if the car breaks or something. I've got it, I got it built up to $500. But she said, I felt like God spoke to me, and he asked me to, to every month, instead of putting $100, to give 50 of that. To, this, to, the, to meet this crisis that God's, you see what I'm saying? It's like God's on the move. I, I see um, this week I got an email from a lady that late at night, she's, uh, she's been praying about what God wants her to do to help meet this need. And she goes to sleep. In the middle of the night, God wakes her up and in her sleep, and if she's waking up, he tells her to go and check your credit union statement. 
And, and she's like, she's not really financially wired. She doesn't really know why. She knows she just had a CD that matured and rolled over automatically the previous week. And so she's not even sure why he would tell her to do that. But she goes in and she reads the fine print. And there's a seven-day grace period. And she calls the bank the next day and they said, oh yeah, that's right, you can, you can pull that out, but today's your last day. And, and so she, she's able to pull that out and she said, now I'm gonna be able to give because God's uh, provided for me. I was at Starbucks this week and I'm, I'm, uh, a man comes in that I know from the church and he, he comes over to me, he says, he, he says, Mike, God told me I need to sell my motorcycle. I said, better you than me. He said, it's a Kawasaki. I said, oh, no big deal then. <laughs> now, he, he shares with me, he, he shares with me that, that uh, he's not written in four years, but he feels like God's getting, he, Mike, the funny thing was, he said, when you talked about kind of increase, uh, kind of increase our giving, like the Holy Spirit spoke to me right, I knew exactly what I was supposed to increase in my giving. But he said, with this kind of freedom gift thing, this fun, this five hundred, I'm not really sure. He said, I've got one number in my, my head. But he said, there's another number that's there. <laughs> and I said, well, just pray about it. I'm sure God will make clear. And uh, he emailed me back on Friday and said, yeah, my number was 2,000. God's number was 10,000. And he said, so there's my commitment. See, the mom who emailed me, emailed me this week and told me about her children, that they're taking their, their recycling to the bins. And the way there, the kids say, hey, mom, instead of us keeping the money this time, could we give this to the church uh, right now? And could, could we, could we uh, start a lemonade stand, you know? The, the singles that emailed me and said, we don't have a lot to give right now, but, but we're gonna have a major garage sale because God's just putting on a heart. It's a way we can, we can give. The woman who emailed me and said, I'm selling some paintings on eBay that I have, and I, God's put in my heart. I want half of that to go to the fund. The older ladies that were at my, at my house this week for a tea, and some of them saying as they prayed, God's put on their heart to sell some of their antiques to, to give. You see, this is what happens when God moves on a church, that he begins to release a spirit of generosity. You know, a couple weeks ago, about, well, throughout this crisis, the elders have been meeting once a week to pray and God to lead us. And early on, I told, told the guys, guys, uh, in a few weeks, I'm gonna go before the church. I'm gonna ask him to pray. I'm gonna ask him to seek God. And, and if, if we're gonna ask him to do that, we need to lead the way in our, in our lives. And so would you, would you go home and would you, over the next two weeks, would you pray with your wife and, and would you seek God for the number? And I told them, you know, Lynn and I'll do the same. And, uh, and so we came back this last week and we brought our offerings of what God had spoken. And, and, and you know how much the elders gave? They gave $100,000 to this, to this project. Isn't that awesome? It's just, God's just moving. Mm. And you know, this, this last week, this last week, there's just many of the leaders in the church, just leaders that had heard about this, we'd shared this need with, and, and we haven't even asked them to give yet, but they just wanted to start making their commitments. God was speaking. And so by the end of the week, another $100,000 had already come in from that. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I believe it's a critical moment for us as a church. Um, yeah, we've got the crisis. I get that. Uh, and that's important. But at an even deeper level, as I told you from the beginning, this is a deeply spiritual issue. And I think God is testing. Remember what Jesus said. He who is faithful with little, talking about finances, will be faithful with much. I believe he wants to use us to be one of the key churches in this area to unleash the movement of Jesus. In Los Angeles, Simi Valley, Santa Clarita. I, I believe that. I believe he wants us to be one of the churches that's leading the way. I believe it's his calling on us. But, but now this is our time. This is our time to decide we cannot unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers if we are not passionate Christ followers. And so what I'm asking you to do is simply to go, give yourself to God, ask him to lead you, and as he does, we, we will respond and God will do amazing things. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for this crisis because it's in the midst of crisis you call us out. It's in the midst of crisis you define us. 
It's by in the midst of crisis, you call us to new levels of surrender and you draw us into new levels of relationship. And so, God, we, we meet you as a church and we pray that you would be with us this week, that you would meet us in a powerful way as we seek you, that you would speak, you'd pour out a spirit of grace upon us that we would give as you lead us and that we would become like Jesus in the process and that you would release the funds that you need to unleash this movement here at Rocky Peak. We pray this in your name. Amen. Father, that's our prayer, that you'd keep us abiding, especially this week, that as we come before you as a church, God, we just pray that your spirit would be flowing mightily across our church in each of our lives. God, this is a, this is a critical point for us. This is a, a rich young ruler point for, for many of us, where we decide whether we trust you in this one of the most difficult areas of life, this area of our finances. And God, I know that for many, it will be a breakthrough moment. And God, we just need you to move this week, just that you would pour out your spirit of grace, that you would show us that you are greater than any treasure, and that to pursue you with a full heart is a path to joy. And so we we pray that this week you would meet with us, you would give us courage to follow, to obey, to listen. We pray that you'd speak clearly. We pray that we gather an encounter on Wednesday, that your presence would be very thick, that we would sense your presence here, that you lead and guide and direct. And we pray then, Lord, you'd prepare us so that when we come back next week, it would be with full hearts. It would be the hearts of joyful givers who have connected with you in a new way, that we would come with our our gifts, our commitments, that we would come and we would encounter you. We would give ourselves back to you as you've given yourself to us. And that through us, and as a result, God, you would unleash a movement here. And we we pray that, that the end result is that your name would be honored in all the earth. And we pray this in your name. Amen. May the Lord be with you this week as you seek him and pray, as you as you surrender to him, as you draw close to him. May he meet and direct you in a very personal and profound way that changes your life. Don't forget Wednesday we're gathering. It's gonna be a great time uh, to seek him. We're going, to be, we're going to be thanking him for what he has already done. We're going to be praying for clarity and courage that we would know what he wants us to do as a church and that we would follow in this area. And third, we're going to begin to pray that God would begin to release this culture of generosity, not in inside, but he would begin to create a deeper and deeper heart for the poor, both inside of our church and outside of our church in the world. And I'll be telling you more about that as we come this week. But until then, may the Lord be with you and strengthen you and guide you in every way uh, as you pursue him. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.